0: K-pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight
1: and Samar Herman.
0: And on this episode, we're discussing Tiara and their new release, What's My Name, with our guest, Jacques Peterson.
1: Jacques is known also by the name Arcady, and he has a blog under the same name, and he writes for Idolater and a few other sites about K-pop. You may have seen his words floating around there if you read anything about K-pop. He knows a lot.
0: Definitely. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So the occasion for talking about Tiara is not just that they have a new release, but that this is their last release, at least with MBK, and I guess we'll get to talk about what the future looks like for them. But sort of the overriding question that I have is, does Tiara belong in the same category as other second-generation girl groups like Girls' Generation and Wonder Girls and 21? Are they at that
2: level, or no?
3: <laughs> like, I'm just
2: like, No. <laughs> You know, I think that's a difficult question to answer because of the scandal that happened. So it really kind of depends on if what they achieved between 2009 and kind of 2011-2012 is enough to put them in that category. Looking at a lot of their hits and their overall success, I would definitely put them up there. I do think that they are in kind of that top tier of if you're looking at the big groups of that generation obviously girls generation is the biggest by far but then you've got like wonder girls 21 kara and tiara sort of at the bottom of that i would say
1: so i have a different perspective on this because in my mind all second generation groups kind of stopped when i got into k-pop right before 21 and four minute and kara debuted so in my mind i always consider them as like a third generation group And they kind of, in my mind, feel a little bit more along the lines of A-Pink and Girls Day, even though that is not true. And like those two kind of swooped in because of Tiara's issues. I don't know. I just feel like maybe because their popularity peaked kind of really quickly in Korea and they had this whole scandal, they didn't have the longevity that these other girl groups did to some degree, which is silly because like Jacques said, really only Girls Generation kind of stood out above the masses. Wonder Girls disappeared for a while. Kara disappeared for a while. 21 disappeared and then leveled off entirely and tiara kind of like disappeared and then came back so they're actually like a little engine that could of that generation they're definitely of that tier but at the same time if someone asked me to name the top five girl groups of k-pop in the past decade i probably wouldn't think to necessarily say them
2: yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I probably wouldn't say of the decade, unless we were putting into account how you like overseas. So if we're putting in like China and Japan, right. then I would probably put them in. But if we're just talking about Korea, yeah, I probably wouldn't put them in the top 10.
0: Well, let's start at the beginning, which is 2009, their debut with Core Contents Media. Like a lot of girl groups, they had a lineup change right at the beginning. Jacques, was there anything unique about Tiara when they debuted? Was there any certain kind of concept or yeah.
2: image that they were aiming at? Well, what happened first was they were originally formed as a five member ballad group because MBK. Oh, really? Yeah, then known as Core Contents Media. They had already had success with doing ballads with Sia and Da and they do a lot of like trot music and stuff too. So they kind of went for a more old fashioned vibe. So we had. Hyomin, Min, Jin and Yung Jung in the original lineup, I believe and they were made as a ballad group and they did one ballad called Good Person, which was sort of just a, I really like it, but it's kind of just like a typical Korean power ballad. And then they changed gears to become an idol group. So two of the members who were more on the vocal side left, and then they brought in three new members, and they kind of transformed into an idol group with what I would consider their real debut single, which was Lies. Oh,
1: good.
2: You like Lies?
1: I love, like, all their old stuff to a certain point. Yeah. But if when you hear the point because it's going to come up, you're going to be like, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) In my mind, I kind of think of Bo Peep as their debut single just because that's the first song that matters to me
2: yeah well their first real hit was actually ttl time to love because they came out with lies and it didn't do great i mean i think it did okay by like today's standards but it kind of had like a negative reception from the public and then they did ttl the collaboration with the boy band supernova and that hit number one and was a huge hit
3: can't copy once huh? Can't stop, we won't stop oh. Yeah, you know we don't stop uh, I just want you 중요한
2: And then from there, then they did Bo Peep, which was another hit, and they had a lot of success with that first album. Now I think you've put that
0: album on your list as one of the best K-pop albums ever.
2: Oh yeah, I absolutely love Absolute First Album, is what it's called, and the uh, the repackage Breaking Heart. They did. I was actually going to send this to you before we did this. They did a Reddit thread on it recently. Did any of you see that? No. No. Uh, the K-pop Reddit did a thread on the album and it had a lot of fans in there. I was <laughs> wanted to send you over some receipts because I didn't know if you'd be coming for Tiara's album. So <laughs> I wanted to be like, I'm not the only one that's obsessed with this album. <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of the first K-pop albums I really got into. And it's still my favorite. You know, what's really unique about it is... It has that electronic kind of electropop sound that all of K-pop was doing at the time, but there's still a real emotional weight to the album. I think that might be because the group had roots in being a ballad group and, you know, the, the agency does a lot of trot music. So there is a lot of a kind of ballady, emotional, melancholy edge to the music. And there's also a lot of hip hop in there as well. The group had actually two rappers with Young Chung and Hyomin, where most groups only have one. So it's kind of an interesting mix of genres. And I think that the songs still hold up really well. I mean, I still listen to it all the time.
1: I just pulled up the track list and like, I still listen to a bunch of these regularly. Yeah,
2: I really, I mean, I mostly listen to the repackage obviously, because that has, I go crazy because of you and I'm really hurt. The album for me holds up really well in there. A lot of the later Tiara stuff, I don't really go back to as much except for the singles.
1: So I just realized like just now that I pretty much regularly only like Tiara's Absolute album. I'm just looking at the discography right now. And when I said before, like I stopped loving them as much as I did in the beginning. It was around like Ya yeah, Ya yeah, yeah, and Roly Poly, which is when like they broke out.
2: I think their albums, I mean, like the ya, ya Ya and all of that, even though I understand why a lot of people don't like the song Ya Ya Ya, it is pretty ridiculous, but that whole album I still think is really good, and I really think they made very solid albums up until about Day by Day, which is really when the scandal happened, coincidentally, but Day by Day was the first album that I really didn't love, and... You know, all their albums since then, they will have like the odd B side that I'm really into, but there was definitely a change there where I felt like the songs weren't as unique. And, you know, I didn't find myself really going through the whole albums. Whereas, you know, the stuff from like Absolute First Album and, you know, the Rolly Poly album and everything, I will listen to a lot.
0: Well, that's interesting because Day by Day has two of my favorite songs on it. If you had asked me maybe a month ago my favorite Tiara song, it would definitely be between Sexy Love and "Number 9? Well, Sexy Love's a single. I mean, I still think their
2: singles were great. It was just, it was more the album cuts. I see what you mean. Okay.
0: But it's interesting that you say that they started as a ballad group, and a lot of times they have this melancholy feeling to some of their songs, because I made a playlist of Tiara songs. I've been listening to it. And I have to say, I kind of changed my opinion. I think that their less club dance songs are some of my favorites, Cry Cry and Day by Day.
2: Yeah, those are great Those are
0: both produced by Cho Young Soo Really good songs.
2: Yeah, they're really good. And I think Cry Cry is quite unique as well because they sort of went back and they did that early 2000s Max Martin sound, but they did make it really kind of melancholy and dark. <laughs>
0: One thing about those is Tiara has these crazy, long, cinematic, I mean, it's even an understatement to say cinematic, like short film music videos. Were they innovators
2: or were they following somebody else? They started that with, the first one was really kind of roly poly, which had an extended video. I don't know if you've seen the long video of that. It goes back to this woman and she's reminiscing about her past and looking through photos and then she remembers back to when she was in high school and they all they all snuck out and went to, like, a disco club together. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so that was kind of their first, like, extended video. And then because that was so huge, when they came out with, I think Cry Cry was after Rolly Poly. Cry Cry was, like, the first... That was their, like, gangster epic, which had the part one and then the part two was lovey-dovey. And then because that was such a success, they repeated the formula for Day by Day and Sexy Love. That was also a sort of a two-part cinematic thing. So as far as I know, they were the innovators of that. I mean, I know that there are other groups that have done... I know uh, TVXQ sort of did a drama video for Before You Go, if you remember that. So there definitely were other ones, but with Tiara... I would say they were the first where they would do, like, one part for one song and then they would follow up with a new song, which is, like, the second half. So they would do, like, I guess a sequel or a part two. And, you know, something to add to that as well is a lot of that came from Tiara being also a group of kind of, like, actress idols. At the time of the scandal, they had four members acting and Jung Jung especially was incredibly successful. She was leading dramas and she was considered one of the top idol actresses. I mean, she had done Dream High and she did another one that was really popular called Coffee House. So, them going into those cinematic music videos was really a play on their kind of acting image. I know that the directors of those music videos were actual respected drama directors. Now, I guess they had some success in Japan before the
0: scandal, right? It wasn't like the scandal came up and then they went to Japan to try to sell some records.
2: No, Bo Peep, Bo Peep, that was their Japanese debut single. They were the first foreign girl group in Oricon history to debut at number one on the Oricon charts. And, you know, overall in Japan, because I was watching the charts a lot then, they were overall the third most successful Korean girl group in Japan. So, Kara was obviously number one. They were huge. And Girls' Generation was number two. And Tiara were third. Although there was quite a large margin between Tiara and then Kara and Girls' Generation. Now, Tiara made a big splash when they signed
0: a big contract to go over to Japan. Do you think that was somebody chasing the Girls' Generation and Kara success?
2: That, I mean, that was definitely that. They, at that yeah. time, all of the groups were going over to Japan, and some groups are having more success than others. <laughs> but it was definitely them trying to sort of cash in on that. Should we move on
0: to the scandal? We could do like a two-hour episode on it, probably. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it, it's just so know. ridiculous that it seems a shame to not touch on with these various incidents.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, really what it came down to was there was a disagreement between them and, you know, this is the short version, and the girls in Tiara stupidly took it on Twitter and kind of tweeted each other about it because Young was being a nightmare. And from there, it just kind of snowballed into this completely insane overblown thing where users on pan were doctoring like fake bullying evidence and it just got completely out of control and i mean tamar you'll remember the fallout was crazy
1: yeah i like laughed a little bit because you could like shaded but like at the time (laughs) everybody was on her side everyone was just like how could they bully her they're so mean they took to twitter like this is so bad and at that time like so few k-pop idols were actually on twitter and actually saying things so it was like very shocking and like it was just like who do we believe and i was pretty young and dumb then and i was just like oh okay like i guess if things turned out this way like they were bullying her because otherwise why would they kick her out really stupid but like i think the general opinion until what just happened this year was at the end of last year People didn't really think necessarily that she was at fault, (laughs) except apparently Jacques.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, what's funny, right, is that at the time when it happened, I was, you know, obviously a fan and I was looking at what was happening and I was looking at the evidence and the fans were sharing things around going, look, this, you know, isn't real and I'm seeing the proof that it's not real. And I uh, was contributing to all K-pop at the time and I did write an op-ed for them about how they had been pinned as guilty straight off the bat. What was interesting was the girls themselves did come out and they clarified things, and there were other celebrities that had worked with them that were defending them, but the media just were not reporting it. I mean, I think some Korean outlets did, but it went on deaf ears. And like all K-pop and netizen buzz at the time, which was really coming up, they really pushed a lot of the kind of negative tiara stories, and they really got on that kind of bad wagon because it was such a huge scandal. It was getting them a lot of traffic. And when stuff came out that explained what had happened, people just were not either not listening or not reporting it. So, you know, recently when we had this whole thing come out where the truth was sort of finally revealed and it had shown that, you know, Hua Young was a brat and things had been blown out of proportion, a lot of the fans already knew this. I mean, we knew a lot of things about Hua Young, like she had faked injuring her leg and stuff in front of the media for sympathy and all of these things. We'd already known that for years. But I
1: remember that.
2: Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff we already knew. So... I think this speaks to a larger point of why Tiara has had such a strong following overseas. And, you know, if you see Tiara, they always win like a lot of polls. Like I know they won a poll on Billboard against like EXO and stuff and they win all of these things. And it's because I think the fans are sort of so frustrated over what happened and that we always knew the truth for so long that we really kind of rally behind Tiara in a way that I think some other fan bases don't (laughs) because we kind of have something to prove.
1: Well, you guys, I think now you guys have, like, proven it once and for all. Props to them for just not dropping off the face of this earth, and they were still active and put out good songs.
2: Yeah, well, you know, another thing as well to add, Tamar, you'll know about this, was that around this time there was a lot of really harsh, I guess, backlash on female idols because IU had her scandal with where she was in bed with Anchovy. yeah. And <laughs> and um, the most ridiculous one at that point, honestly, I think even more absurd than Tiara's was Secret's Yo Sung saying democratization, you know, misusing oh, that one was word. So crazy, and they yeah, and they pinned her as like an evil, ill abuser, and that really hurt her career, and it actually really hurt Secret because you know at that time Secret had had a really successful comeback with uh, the song Yoo That was like one of the top 30 songs on the guy on yearly chart. People don't realize, but it actually was really popular. And then the scandal happened during that. And then after that, it kind of screwed their careers. So there was this period where the backlash against female idols was kind of at its peak. Like Tiara was sort of the main victim of that, but they weren't the only ones. Do
0: you think that we've learned a little bit from that scandal and some of these other no. ones and that the more recent ones i know right but no. <laughs> it, it, it seems like you can still have a ridiculous scandal based on some kind of online mob making something out of nothing but they kind of go away a little more quickly it seems
1: i don't think so think of like no. tiffany and aoa and yeah it's always something that like a girl group member does or says it's like a guy one like literally can be abusive and like oh but we still love you and like I like guy groups way more than girl groups, but, like, I still think it's ridiculous. Like, in race activity cannot, like, open her mouth without someone being like, oh, you're, like, a Japanese sympathizer. Like, that's ridiculous. But so many guy group members have worn Rising Sun t-shirts or posted similar images. I think—I don't have any proof to this. I'm not a data analyst or anything, but a lot of time I think it's just because girls like hating on other girls, and a lot of K-pop fans are girls.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely agree with you. And there is such a huge double standard between the way female idols are treated compared to male idols. Although I do think that, I mean, even though it's still really bad, I do actually think that around like 2011, 2012 was like the absolute worst of it. And I think it's gotten better, but I still think it's bad. I feel like if the Tiara thing happened like today, a similar situation, I don't think that the fallout would be quite as bad as what tiara went through but it would still be bad yeah
0: well we've touched on it a little bit but i think maybe a lot of people don't realize just how successful tiara has been in china
2: yeah well they currently by like fan cafe i think they have the biggest one after girls generation over there they break records on like the video charts even like the solo's Songs like in Sketch, which flopped, huge flops over in Korea, will break records on video charts over in China. And, you know, they get commercial endorsement deals over there, and they've done like, you know, tours, and they're definitely doing big things over in China.
0: It's interesting to me, because there are groups that you would think would be a more natural fit for China, like, I mean, Miss A, obviously, but groups with Chinese members. And I think Tiara has still eclipsed all of those groups.
2: Yeah, well, I should have double-checked this, but I I really think that the start of their popularity in China came because I think it was like a Taiwanese singer did a cover of Bo Peep years ago, and I think that put Tiara's music on the map a little bit. And then as their popularity grew, they ended up doing a a collaboration with the Chopstick Brothers on Little Apple, which was like the Gangnam style of China. So they had that collaboration as well, which ended up getting them a lot of exposure, You know, also with Tiara, their songs are so catchy, they've kind of just got these simple hook songs that I think can really translate well overseas into a broad audience, whereas other groups, maybe like Red Velvet or, you know, FX or something, their songs, they're incredible, but they can be a little bit more complicated and a little bit edgier, whereas Tiara's songs, they just translate easily. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of those
0: Shinze Dong Tiger songs have very repetitive choruses and very strong instrumental hooks.
2: Yeah, I mean, just look at the titles of their songs, like Cry Cry, (laughs) Roly Poly, Bo Peep, Bo Peep, Lovey Dovey, you know. (laughs) Right. Well, so there
0: seems to be this pattern that happens from time to time where some marginally famous US artist adopts a, tends to be a girl group, I think not coincidentally, that they're going to break in the US and There's a lot of talk and not much happens. But Tiara N4, a subgroup of Tiara, which is kind of interesting since they're down to four now,
2: it wouldn't be a subgroup. But they had an incident like that with Chris Brown. Yeah, well, you know, what I think this was was that After Tiara had continued working in Japan and being quite successful in Japan and, you know, the fallout in Korea from the whole scandal was so severe that MBK was looking at more overseas markets to break Tiara in and someone had some crazy idea to take Tiara over to America and work with Chris Brown. And uh, I think this came from Danny, who you probably know from uh, Produce 101, she was originally supposed to be added to Tiara as a ninth member around the time of Day by Day, and she knows Chris Brown, so I think they used the Danny connection, and Tiara and 4 ended up going over to the States, and Chris Brown took them to Hooters, or, or Chris <laughs> Brown's manager or something. They ate at Hooters, and then yeah. they performed at some hideous pool party event, which it was like a hip-hop music event and they didn't really have any business being there and they were you know sort of up on stage singing korean and no one knew what they were doing and then chris brown turned their song off halfway through because he wanted to play something of himself it was it's really embarrassing i mean
1: so awkward and it's not like chris brown's necessarily like the nicest guy in the world
2: i know i mean he's so awful so i mean no i remember at the time it was kind of exciting because you know he is a big star and it was like haha look you know Tiara's running around at Hooters with this, you know, A list kind of American <laughs> pop star, but it was really tragic and not much came of it. I mean, they recorded some like remixes with some American kind of hip hop producers, but I think MBK figured out pretty quickly that nothing was going to come of this and it was just a terrible idea. And they just went back to Korea and kind of acted like it never happened.
0: Well, so they've found a little redemption here with their new album. What do you guys think of the new album?
1: So yeah, so I mean, I think the single was really good at the first listen, I was just like, oh, this is Tiara, but it does sound like Tiara, but do I feel it yet? And now I'm like listening to it like every other day, like jamming to it. Like it's, it feels like a Tiara song. The hook is good. Like it just reminds me of like what made them good in the past. I'm still not a Jacques size fan and I don't think I ever will be, but it's a song that I can have on rotation. I was really impressed by Curie's Diamond, which I didn't expect to be impressed by because I really liked Hyoman's Gold, so I was looking forward to her song, and then I wasn't really like feeling it so much. But I just think the album was interesting because they were just like, oh, we're different now and we're gonna play that up and here are four songs, each of which is gonna be by one of our four members. And I thought that was really interesting because they're already in a weird place where everyone's like, You just lost two members. Are you staying together? What are you doing when your contract's up with MBK? Are you dispending? Nobody's really clear on that. And then suddenly you break up the cohesiveness by having solo songs. And I don't think that any of them were like horrible solo songs. And I think that they all kind of gave each member a chance to shine some songs were definitely better than others but it was just an interesting choice for this group that's kind of in this middle ground where maybe they are going to be soloists next year maybe they will still be a group we don't know and i was just kind of (laughs) listening to this album like they don't know either that's what's going on here they have no idea
2: yeah i mean i pretty much agree with you uh i like the title track it does have that kind of melancholy feel to it like a lot of Tiara songs, although it is still typical Brave Brothers. I mean, the production is very similar to Stella's Crying. And Curie's Diamond is by far, I would say, the best song on the whole thing. I mean, I interviewed the songwriter behind it, and he said that he was going for like a Lord Royals kind of vibe, and you can hear that. It really has a kind of like a a Western indie pop sort of vibe to it. Like the album, I would say to a larger point with Tiara's music, I do always love their title tracks. I think they always hit it at the sort of ballpark. They're really catchy, but there really was a point I think around kind of after the scandal that their songs became less unique. Before, I mean, if you look at the first half of Tiara's career, they did a lot of kind of like campy, silly concepts where they were you know dressing up as gangsters and Native Americans and cat people and. And they had these quirky songs. And then after the scandal, they sort of went through a bit of an EDM phase where they just kind of had just a normal sort of image. They weren't really dressing up in any costumes. They really sort of ditched that. And then we had stuff like So Crazy, which was another Bray Brothers song, which could have been like an AOA song. And now we have What's My Name, which sounds like a Stella song. So, you know, I still like them, but the post-scandal music is not as original in concept or musically, as the stuff they did before. They really started playing it safer after that scandal. Well, the
0: first time I heard Diamond, I really loved it. It really took me by surprise. I don't think it was what you expect off a Tiara album or maybe even any K-pop group's album, but it didn't wear well. Uh. But my favorite song on the album, I do like the title track, but my favorite one is Reload.
2: Oh. Reload's good. Yeah. yeah. It has almost a Minneapolis sound to it kind of reminds me of something from a james bond movie or something (laughs) as well i can imagine it them doing like a spy sort of thing
1: every time i end up listening to one of the tiara i listen to my music on shuffle and every time one of the tiara songs from the new album shows up i'm always like oh this is a good song and it's almost always reload so it's a good song
0: yeah it is it is well so and then there was a very touching and maybe even important moment tiara
2: won a music show after five years yeah on the show which is the easiest one to win but yeah it was st- <laughs> it was still no shade <laughs> it was still pretty amazing i mean post scandal they came close with number nine they would have won first place but they were up against iu so i mean no one can really beat iu <laughs> unless you're laboom and you have someone bulk buying <laughs> about a million of your albums <laughs> um so you know Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, they broke down crying. I haven't really seen anything like that from a K-pop win before. I mean, Gian couldn't even stand up. She was like crouched on the floor and they were just sobbing uncontrollably. And, you know, if this is the last release we ever get from them, that will be a, a pretty amazing kind of finale.
0: Now, what do you all think about that? There's been a lot of talk about this isn't the end. The two members who most recently left, and there's sort of this implication that they're waiting for the contract of the remaining four members to expire and they'll get back together again. But we've kind of heard that before from some other groups, and that doesn't necessarily always work out. Yeah, what do you think, tomorrow?
1: Um, I mean, this year is like the death of a lot of girl groups, so I'm just like, uh, another one's definitely biting the dust. Like, Yeah. Honestly, I usually get to know an idol group by watching the variety shows, and I've only watched maybe one or two episodes ever in my entire life showing the Tiara members, so I don't really know how close they are or how close they make themselves appear to be. Some girl groups are just so blatantly not friends with each other and aren't able to stick through the hard times that I wouldn't say that they could get through something like this. Tiara has been through all these hard times, so even though I might not know personally, like it does feel like... They've clung together. And so I don't know if all six will get back together. But if they if any of them continue as a group, I would assume that it will be more rather than fewer.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the variety shows, because before the scandals, they were like variety queens. I mean, they would just do variety show after variety show. They had... So many of their own shows, and then they also would do stuff, you know, like We Got Married and all of these other things. Oh, I did see some of them. Yeah, well, that's kind of what helped contribute to their popularity as well because they had the album sales and the digital sales, but they also were on variety and acting and everything. But um, no one was putting them on any shows though, really, after the scandal. But as far as them staying together, look, I don't know. I assumed originally that they would 100% break up because every single idol group goes, no, we're staying together. We're not. It's not really a disbandment, and then it's right. like. They're totally obviously disbanded. But with Tiara, uh, they've said more than once that they're staying together. I mean, Boram said in her, she was at like a private fan meet for a birthday fan meet. She specifically said, no, we're staying together. We're just going to be under a different agency. And some of the other members have really indicated that they will. And there was a report that they were in talks with a Chinese agency. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think if they do stay together, they'll probably sign with someone in China.
1: You don't think they'll pull a highlight and just represent themselves?
2: Yeah, no, and I don't think they'll change the name or anything. I mean, maybe they will set up their own agency. I'm not sure, but I would think that now that their kind of image has gotten better and that they did once have a lot of acting potential, someone like Yunjong will probably want to sign with an acting agency. So maybe we'll see them sign with like a Chinese agency for activities over there. And then in Korea, they might go with some individual agencies to pursue their things like acting or or variety or anything like that. That kind of sounds like the death of a group if that happens. I mean, I guess... uh... (laughs) Yeah.
1: it doesn't really totally not anymore shinwa has that brown-eyed girls has that brown-eyed girls i mean is different than shinwa but shinwa oh yeah Shinwa very much so has that they're all under different labels but they have a a separate label that one of them manages for shinwa activities brown-eyed girls they were under different labels for their last comeback so i mean i think it's really just the group's wherewithal like do we want to stay together or not at that point
2: yeah and you know you pointed out tiara's relationship before You know, I'm probably biased because I'm a fan, but I definitely do think they're very close. You know, I really think that it comes from the scandal. I really think that that scandal and what they kind of went through with having all of Korea against them at one point really sort of bonded them in a way that we don't usually see. So I do really think that they sincerely have a close relationship together. And I think that because of their popularity in China and there's so much money to be made in China. They would probably be foolish not to cash in on that, unless they've got marriage plans. I mean, unless they've got a husband waiting, I would say keep working and make money. Well, let's move
0: on to our unmuted K-pop picks, and Jacques will give your voice a little rest here. If it's okay with you guys, I'll start out with my pick first. Go ahead. I'd like to talk about Girls Next Door's song, Deep Blue Eyes. Girls Next Door is a project group. They're from the show Idol Drama Operation Team, the pithily named Idol Drama Operation Team. And it's a pretty interesting group of girl group members. It's Sulgi from Red Velvet, Yua from Oh My Girl, Soo Jung from Lovelies, Moonbyul from Mamamoo, Moo, and Diana, Diana from Sunmi. There's also So Mi. From JYP, and she's sort of a project group queen at this point. She was an IOI, and I don't know what they called the Unis. Are they still called the Unis?
1: Yeah, they're still Unis.
0: Kind of strange to have so many in a group called the Unis, but
2: anyway. Uh, I and wish then, they would uh, just go away. I hate uh, that project.
0: But their early stuff was good. Their first season was good now.
2: Um, I don't not like a any of it. I'm okay. not I'm <laughs> into it. <laughs>
0: And then last, and I don't know, maybe least, I love her, is the real project girl group, Queen Sohee, who just missed out on uh, Produce 101, make it into IOI, and she was in SIVA and IBI. But anyway, this is a song, Deep Blue Eyes is a song that was produced by Jin Young of B1A4. We've talked before about how he sort of seems to be specializing in writing songs for these shows. He has written songs for both seasons of Produce 101 and for Idol Drama Operation Team. And it's a great song, but what caught my attention was the little bit of behind the scenes that we got on the show, because I've always been interested in how these songs come together and how a song is adapted to a particular group. Because a lot of times, of course, a song is written for a group and you know what their image is and what kind of singers they have and that sort of thing. But sometimes you have a song that's written for a group and they don't record it or it's not written for a particular group and changes kind of have to be made to make it fit the group. And I think that's the case with this song, with Deep Blue Eyes. They have the obligatory scene where the group files in, and then, oh, look who it is, it's Jin Young, and he's written this song for you, and let's listen to it, and everybody's surprised what a great song it is. That he's telling them how he wants them to sing the song, and he tells them that it's kind of a serious song, but he wants them to sing it in a bubbly way. And he gives them two reasons for that. I'm not so sure about the first one, but he says, since it's such a serious song, if they sang it seriously, that might be a little too much. But he also says he wants them to have this bubbly approach because that fits their personalities, which I think is probably a little more the reason for it. When Jin Young played the song, it's recorded by Sunghee Hee of Oh My Girl. Apparently, she does that quite a bit. And I'm sure there's a vault somewhere of these songs, which I really want to hear. Yeah, me too. Right? But in her version of the song, there's a line, rock my body, now rock my body which is a totally cliched, boring line, but in the context of this seduction song, it's a little suggestive, right, and not that fitting for this group. And when you hear the final version that they recorded, the lyric is, Catch my mind, now catch my mind, which is kind of an odd lyric. I think it works really well. It's one of my favorite parts of the song. But you can see how, when you contrast it with what the lyric was before, it seems like they're trying to make it clear that we're not talking about physical seduction. It's more psychological.
3: i
2: Yeah, you think? Yeah. Well, the leader played a lot of mind games with Humbert Humbert before, <laughs> before <laughs> things happen. And right, thought sort of some younger kind of innocent girls singing a song that sounds very seductive. That would probably be right for someone like Nine Muses or a group like that. Yeah, definitely. But I
0: think they tried to tone it down and make it more innocent. And I guess they weren't totally successful. It still has some pretty suggestive lyrics in it. Yeah. So tomorrow, what do you have for us this episode?
1: I was a really big fan of 2AM back in the day, like I am, I went to like a bunch of their concerts in Korea, I had all their albums, they released one album on record, and I really contemplated buying that, but then I remembered I didn't have a record player, so I was a big fan, and I have kept track of their solos, which really haven't been all that much, 2AM is kind of one of those weird groups, because they were really good at ballads, and then when they released a dance song that I really liked, everybody else hated it, so so that didn't (laughs) happen anymore. So Sulong released You recently with Benzino as a rapper, and it's just a really pretty song. Like, the first second I heard it, I was like, oh, this is a 2 a.m. song. Like, there was no question about this. It was just, like, very mellow. It was very heartfelt. It was very sentimental. You know, of course, it's about breakup and looking back on the good times and being sad that the relationship is over. And then, like, Benzino comes with a rap about whatever like it doesn't really matter honestly but it just it just was really sentimental to me and i'm a, a sucker for ballads which is like not what i should ever put out in public but i really like ballads <laughs> and so long is really good and he hasn't really been treated all that well i think personally he hasn't really had anything remotely successful since 2am broke up and this i think is the first song of his that i've actually enjoyed which is kind of ridiculous because he was pretty popular at one point because he had IU and he both did a song oh. for uh, We Got Married, Nagging, and then he did a song with- Nagging was Kla- huge. Yeah, and- I, um, forgot,
2: I forgot that, and you just reminded me of that. Like, that was such, such a big kid, song. I loved it. Yeah.
1: And he also did a song with Classic How We Feel, and I really like Classic and, like, low-key electropop stuff that they have going on, so-
2: That's an amazing song. I love that song
1: right so he's just yeah, he's incredible. had these really good songs and as a soloist he was like definitely the least memorable member in 2am overall in korea like joe kwon was popular Changmin was in home and jinwen was an actor so people knew those three and nobody ever gets a long time a day so this is like the first song where it was like he knows what he should be doing and this is what he should be doing and it is good <laughs> so i'm just really satisfied with this really pretty ballad from so 울려도 다시는
3: 너야 가끔씩.
2: just gonna ask you would you like to see so long go back to kind of more electronic stuff like the classy collaboration or would you be happy with him just being a ballad singer
1: i think his strength is definitely being a ballad singer but i love everything that classy touches so i yeah. like that a lot but i think like i said before i really like two a.m's i did wrong i think it's one of their best songs and supremely underrated but i don't think that he necessarily shown in that or in anywhere, any other time that he was doing a dance music. His voice is very soulful. His voice is very mellow. Like he has his tone and he has his strengths. And hearing this, I was like, yes, you're going back to that. You decided to give up on being anything other than you and now you're you again. I haven't really seen anyone write about it. I haven't really seen anyone cover it.
2: I didn't even know it existed until you brought it up.
1: <laughs> I don't know. And like, this is the weirdest thing. Hani from EXID is in the music video.
2: Oh. So it's that... like,
1: how did nobody know this song happened?
2: That Yeah, that's very strange. All right, Jacques, what is your pick for this episode? You know, I had some trouble. I was almost went with the edgy new Hiyori single, Black, but I opted for my girls, A Pink, with their new single, Five. You know, with A Pink, it's funny, I've always kind of felt a certain dedication to them because they're really like the quintessential sort of innocent cute group of this last generation and they really get slammed a lot by international k-pop fans who you know say they're boring and they really don't seem very popular outside of kind of asia which always frustrates me because i think that their songs are really incredible. And I think it's unfair to call them boring, because if you really listen to a lot of their productions, they have, you know, these beautiful strings and melodies and Jung Yunji's vocals. So I do kind of find them underrated with um, international fans. But their new single, Five, it's a Shin Sedong Tiger song, and it's really a return to that kind of The typical sort of bubblegum, nostalgic, early noughties kind of sound that they really perfected with hits like My My and Remember and No No No. safe choice because for their last single, last year's Only One, which was produced by Black Eyed Pilsung, that still had the Pink vibe to it, but it was a lot more mature. To me, Only One had kind of like a real sort of R&B vibe to it, or at least an urban pop kind of vibe. And even the visuals for the music video were more kind of ladylike instead of the little girl kind of cutesy aesthetic that they do. But the song just didn't do that well with the public. So now they've kind of, I guess they've regressed back to the formula that they know that really works for them. I do think it's a great song and I think it's one of the best songs that they've done of this formula and I'm definitely really happy with it. Although I am a little disappointed because I did really like Only One and I was kind of looking forward to seeing them go in a bit more of a mature direction. Because I think Only One, it was a really good evolution because for me, it really kept their sound intact while also kind of evolving it. Whereas Five is just like, we're going right back to basics. This is what people like from A Pink and we're going to give it to you, you know, visually and musically Did either of you like Only One from last year or do you like Five better?
0: I'm trying to remember Only One.
1: I remember it and I definitely remember thinking, oh, I guess A-Pink's changing their sound. And then hearing this, I was like, oh, no, A-Pink's done with changing their sound. (laughs) Um, I think I used to like A-Pink a little bit more than I do now, like when I was a little bit younger, like Seven Springs or whatever that full album title was. That was a great album. That
2: was a good mini album. Yeah.
1: So that's like the last one that I really felt affection for them. But they have so many good songs in general. I think they have their sound, and I think it's good. And I think that only one kind of shifted that sound. And they could pull it off. Like, they're good singers, and they have good production and everything. And their audience was still there. But I think it didn't really represent what A Pink was. And I think that five... Like, I'm listening to and I was like, oh, it's very bubblegummy and very juvenile and very a Um Like the one, two, three, four, five thing, just like, it makes me laugh every time yeah. I'm listening to it. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are my age, like, this is just getting silly. <laughs> but, but it's what people want from them.
2: Yeah. Actually, I have to mention, Member Namju, she is singing, I think that's how you pronounce it. She's singing a lot more and she really has a great voice and she's doing a lot of kind of vocal stuff on this song, especially towards the end and it sounds fantastic. So I do really like this, but yeah, you know, I don't like it as much as Only One. And, you know, I always feel like I would have loved to see a group, maybe like Blackpink, who have a bit more of an edgy image do Only One, because I feel like if they had done it, people would be going, oh, this is cool. It's like a, it's like an R&B kind of throwback, but when A Pink did it, people are just like, "No, this isn't like what we want from A Pink." And now A Pink is sort of stuck in a time capsule. I don't know how long they can continue doing this, even though it works. You know, Jacques, I just looked up only one, and I've been through this exact
0: experience before. That's the one where they're on the church roof. Yeah, and I think it's maybe confirmation bias or something because coming into the show, I, I'm thinking, "No, no, no," is a great song. But I'm one of those international fans that thinks that (laughs) A-Pink is just boring, you know, unobjectionable, fine. But I keep forgetting about Only One, I think, because it doesn't fit into my preconceived idea of what A-Pink does. And that is a really good song. I agree with you on
2: that. Oh, well, I'm glad someone else enjoys it because I really felt like I was the only one really getting behind Only One (laughs) last last year. So, yeah. (laughs) Funny though, out of us three now, I'm the only one that for the most part is really into A-Pink. Like I always kind of feel like I'm the only A-Pink fan out of all the international K-pop fans. I don't get it because I think they really have, you know, like I said, really beautiful voices and I think the compositions are great and they have really great strings and and melodies and everything, but I just, everyone just finds them boring for some reason.
1: Thanks so much for coming on to Cold Scene's K-pop Unmuted today, Jacques. Where can everybody find you on social media and the internet?
2: You can get me on Twitter mostly, Arcady Blog on Twitter, or just check out my blog, Arcady.net, A-R-C-A-D-E-Y.net. Thank you.
1: You can follow Cold Scenes K-POP Unmuted on Twitter and Facebook, and please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and whatever other medium you listen to podcasts on. And don't forget to rate us. The reviews do help. And thanks so much, as always, for listening to Cold Scenes K-POP Unmuted.